Pulp MX Network Production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to the Pulp Hockey Podcast. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to it on iTunes. Get it on Stitcher. Appreciate it. PulpHockey.com as well. We don't have Ferraro on the show, but we do still have Ferraro in helping you get discounts. Ferraro 20 gets you a 20% discount on the number 2, UNDR, 2 under underwear, the best men's underwear out there, of course. Uh, great guys, and uh, a lot of NHL guys wear 2 under, so check it out and uh, use Ferraro 20 code to save yourself some money. And also... Righty board, rightyboard.com, 15% off if you use the code PULP. Are you fumbling around with old school hockey whiteboards that won't erase? Tired of drawing plays over plexiglass? The solution is here. Righty board is the first portable, restickable hockey whiteboard that sticks to virtually any surface. Stick them to the rink, glass at practice, peel it off, slap it up in the locker room. Rightyboards.com, this guy on the line here, he, uh, he could maybe use a righty board. He's a... Uh, Coach of the Milwaukee Admirals in the AHL. Uh, whispers of, of this guy being a coach in the NHL are going to come soon. Longtime NHL assistant. 800 games in the NHL playing. And, of course, uh, Ray Ferraro's favorite teammate, Dean Everson. What's up, Dean? How are you? I'm really good, Steve. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Some guy you don't know, but somehow Ferraro made you do it. I like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> He's made me do a lot of things in my day. <laughs> was hey, I heard he was uh, quite, a, quite a chirper when he played. Like, like so his his game now, like where he talks, he's a color analyst. It fits him perfectly because he talks. Well, I was going to say quite quite a chirper or the chirper in the NHL. I mean, he had he had one liners. He uh, had he was very quick witted, obviously, and uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, I've uh, I played with Ray a long time. We started out living together in uh, Binghamton, New York, in the American Hockey League, and um, played a long time together in Hartford. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and still friends, but yeah, he could uh, he could chirp with the best of them. Yeah, sure. he's he's. I've heard some stories. He's really good. Even his own teammates. He said one time about Quenville. He was chirping to Quenville when he was D man, and so yeah, he's good. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And Binghamton, in, living in Binghamton, that's a gritty city town. I've been there a few times. That's a gritty yeah, town. Yeah, yeah. There's no question. It uh, and you know what for us it was uh, first time uh, you know living alone. Obviously, we had lived alone in junior, but uh, with a family and, mm-hmm. and what have you. So uh, to have our own apartments and and looking after our cars and all that kind of stuff, we were. We were learning on on the go, and uh, you know a lot of lot of fun uh, experiences, a lot of you know mistakes, but learned from them, and uh, it was it was a good time. We really enjoyed, uh, at least I did. I really enjoyed the city. Um, mm-hmm. It uh, like you said, it uh, it was a gritty city, and a lot of chicken wings and uh, <laughs> a lot of beer. There's that mall. I don't know if it was there. There's a mall up there with all the restaurants around it. That's probably, well, maybe that was before the time there. But there a lot of things went on in that mall. So. Yeah, I can imagine. There's um, a lot of things that happen in Binghamton, New York. Yeah, exactly. Has, <laughs> has anybody ever told you, and I, I make, maybe I'm going to make you feel old here, but has anybody ever told you how great of a video game hockey player you were? You were underrated. You had a good shot, and you were fast. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, well, those are those are two things that I wasn't. So whoever made the game was <laughs> must have been a good friend of mine. I, yeah. But no, I, you know what? It's funny you say it because I have heard that. Okay. My kids, okay. Uh, good. My yeah. kids have told me that, and uh, and they're they're friends, and um, they say they uh, they they play me all the time or whatever that meant at the time. So I just <laughs> I was like, well, it must be. Must be better than my playing days. So, uh, well, however, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. No, it uh, it was always one of those things where you were a sneaky good player because in the league you were twenty goal guy a few times, and you know you were always penalty killer and uh, a good solid second third line guy. But uh, on this game, like if you put you up with Francis, it was go time. So. <laughs> well, that's the only thing I probably could do is fight Francis. I couldn't go against. So yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, uh, hey, so born in uh, born and raised in Brandon? Is that uh, or born in Thompson, no, I, but raised in Brandon? No, born in Flint Flon. Oh, okay. Um, I was born in Flint Flon, and then lived in Thompson, lived in Winnipeg, and then uh, my folks actually still live in Brandon now. Um, and I've uh, I've had a cottage just outside of there for about 15, 20 years. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, well, your Wikipedia page said you were born in Thompson and you grew up in Brandon, so it's completely wrong. Yeah, so. completely. <laughs> so Winnipeg. <laughs> you, you were a Winnipeg guy like myself then, I guess. I, I certainly was. Yeah, yeah I lived uh, in East Kildonan. Uh, <sighs> East End played uh, for the River East Royals Did when you I really? uh, was growing up. And, uh, yeah, I was... Uh, I lived there for probably six years, um, really enjoyed my time there, mm-hmm. um, played a lot of hockey, a lot of outdoor hockey, a lot of uh, outdoor rink stuff, and uh, really enjoyed uh, my time in Manitoba in general. Wow. I, uh, I went to school in Kedolan East. I was never good enough to play with the River East, uh, the, the Royals, but I had buddies who did, and um, yeah, so that's cool. Um, that is cool. Yeah. Hey. Um, so, listen. You were a longtime assistant coach in. We'll get to your playing career uh, for sure in a little bit later. But for now, you're a longtime assistant coach in the Capitals. Uh, you survived a few different coaching changes there. You were credited with a with a terrific penalty killing uh, record year after year with those guys. You went. You left. You're now in the Nashville organization, head coach, Milwaukee Admirals. Like I said, in the AHL. Life's better in the NHL. I imagine with the charters and the food and the hotels. But I guess if you want to be a head guy, is that what your your goal is? If you want to be a head coach and it wasn't going to happen in the Capitals for whatever reason, you better to take a step back and run your own bench than be an assistant. Is that sort of what you were thinking? Yeah, no question. And uh, yeah, there's no there's no shrimp cocktail on the on the buses <laughs> when we get on them right. here. But uh, that that definitely was the thought process. And uh, the year um, that I left, the summer that I left, I had a. Um, I actually went into George McPhee the previous summer and just mm-hmm. said I'm, I, I'm you know ready to to move on. I, I've been an assistant for it would have been eight years after that year, um, and and I'd like to give it a shot at uh, coaching you know pro hockey and being a head coach. Mm-hmm. And if he, I asked him if he could help me out in any way, that would be great. Um, and then went through that season, and um, well, Dale Hunter came in at the end, uh, took over for Bruce Bruce Boudreau, mm-hmm. and. And then the the head coaching job was up when Dale uh, Hunter decided not to go. So I interviewed for that, and it, it came down to myself and Adam Oates. And uh, uh, obviously they uh, they chose Adam. Mm-hmm. And uh, but as soon as George McPhee called me and said um, that uh, that they had gone in a different direction and they were going with Adam Oates, then uh, but he said I've got a number to call. Mm-hmm. Um, David Poyle would like to speak to you uh, right away. So. Um, Paul Fenton is the assistant GM in Nashville. Right, um, a good friend of mine, and him and I had talked, uh, you know, through that year as well. So 
Um, the job was offered to me uh, almost the next day um, to be the head coach here in Milwaukee. And, yeah, it's, it's just a natural mm-hmm. uh, progression, I think. Uh, be it, I was a head coach in junior and then uh, the assistant coach, and now to, to coach uh, pros and, uh, and men, um, hopefully it'll lead into uh, what I want to do ultimately, and that's coaching the National Hockey League. Yeah, it does seem like that's the way to go lately in the hires. Um, you know, it does seem like that seems to be the the guys, the G- GMs want dudes who run their own benches for whatever reason. Yeah, there's no question. You need that experience. You need uh, that experience of uh, running the bench and uh, going through the uh, the everyday uh, rigors here of uh, of coaching pro hockey and and uh, gives you that experience. And uh, it's funny how the coaching game goes. I mean, there's there's certain years where. You know the the flavor uh, of the day is to to hire the the junior coaches, right? Um, and yep. then and then it circles around to the American League guys. So I mean, it's a it's a matter of uh, being patient, uh, continually mm-hmm. learning and uh, and growing as a coach. And hopefully, when that uh, call um, comes, uh, you're ready for it. Now, I remember this. Not that this is correct, because I'm just reading the internet, which we know isn't always correct. But um, I've re- did you just interview for the Caps job, or have you been in a few other interviews? Other, if you haven't been, then I know I've read things like, "Hey, Dean Everson's a, a candidate over here," or was that the only interview you you didn't you didn't get? That's that's the only interview that oh, okay. I've had. Yeah, um, yeah. I've I've spoke to uh, different uh, people, and I know my name's been thrown around a sure. little bit. But yep. uh, um, yeah, but that's the only one. Um, I did one of these with uh, Dallas Eakins a little bit ago. Of course, he's down in uh, uh, San Diego um, coaching the Ducks affiliate. And I, I know from reading things, a lot of the teams nowadays, I know you know I like the Toronto Maple Leafs, so I follow them a little closer. Big trade today, too, by the way. Wow. Um, they like their AHL coach to teach coach the same kind of principles that's going on in the NHL. So call-ups um, don't have to time, you know, they don't have to have a big adjustment, everything else. Now, Peter Lavaliette, the coach in uh, Nashville, he likes go style. He likes offense. He likes to turn them loose a little bit yourself. Again, like uh, in your career, you were a defensive guy. You, and like I said, you got a lot of credit for penalty killing when you were in the capitals for an assistant coach. So how does that work with Peter, and, and have, you tried, have you had to change your coaching style a little bit to match what he's doing in Nashville, or how does that go? Um, it's, it's, um, it's, it's similar. I mean, obviously I was here um, with Barry Trotz um, mm-hmm. as well, and, uh, and then now with, uh, with, with Peter uh, Laviolette, and um, both, both guys, and I think this is a, a pretty standard procedure, uh, both guys said you do not have to play uh, my style or, mm-hmm. or the systems that we are playing, um, but in order to uh, you know allow us to have success when players get called up and, and have the players have success when they get called up, it's nice to have the same the same systems, the same thought processes uh, when when they do get called up. Mm-hmm. Now the American Hockey League and the NHL are different, um, mm-hmm. not a lot different, but they are. So there's tweaks that we certainly do down here that are different than what uh, Peter Laviolette and the Nashville Predators do. Um, but uh, but the, the the base of our structure is uh, is the same. It allows that player to go up and, and uh, immediately feel comfortable and confident that he can play um, within the system. And now it just allows him to go play at the pace of the NHL and try to keep up with that. So um, Peter has been great. Um, the whole organization, uh, you know, has been great as far as allowing us to do what we want to do down here. Uh, but certainly there is. Uh, 
um, you know, uh, mm-hmm. we do mesh our systems together, no question. And I guess, for again, you were a head coach in junior, and you were an assistant for a long time in the NHL, and you played, obviously, for 800 games, so you know the drill. The assistant coaches are a little bit more one-on-one. Um, they're a little bit more like, um, hey, let me talk to the coach for you, a shoulder to, to lean on, um, let me help you out. Um, and as head coach, maybe, I don't want to say you're more detached, but you're, maybe the players are scared to go to you for whatever reasons, and, and you had your own experience, I'm sure, as a player. So you've had to kind of change, I would imagine. You had to change the way you maybe work with guys, or do you try to stay the same? It's a different role, right? That's a real good question, Stephen. I've, uh, I've gone through it here now, like you said, for, uh, for eight years in Washington as assistant, and now this is my fourth season here as a head coach. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and there, there's no question, the assistant coach, I mean, I, I, you're almost, you know, buddies with the players um you know you're sitting in the dressing room and you're mm-hmm. you're, you're you're just shooting it with them and then and then you're bringing stuff back to the head coach that you know you don't want to rat a guy out but you <laughs> right. bring stuff back to uh uh and and same thing with the once you're sitting in the coach's office i mean you you want to take stuff into the players and and say like listen you know uh peter Lavioletta, bruce boudreau's thinking this um but not trying to give too much away either so uh, but yes, as a head coach, you have to separate a little bit. But I've found um, just going through this process is that there, there's a little, there's a balance of um, as a head coach of that separation and, and having the, uh, the the hammer that you can throw down every now and then. But yet there has to be some some kind of a, a, a communication um, with your players and a relationship with each of them. Um, I believe in order to get the best out of them. So. Um, I'm still working through uh, trying to find that balance. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and again, as I said, it's, um, hopefully all the experiences that you have, uh, positive and negative in, in all regards, will set you up to have success when you do get there. Yeah, yeah. I imagine it's got to be a tough role. Like you said, you're learning it. You're learning when to yell, when to scream, when to kind of help these guys out, right? Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. If, you, if you kick the water uh, or the Gatorade jug over every time you come in or you yell at them every time, eventually yeah. they just go, okay, he's, he's kicking it over again, whatever, he's yelling again. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, you got to find when you kick him in the butt and when you uh, put him on the back, there's no question. Well, hey, 28-14-3 to start the year, you got to be happy. It's a nice record. Yeah, we've uh, we've got a good group. Um, we're young. We've all we're always young here. Um, we don't have a lot of veteran uh, presence, which um, you know, as a coach, you you, you always want to have uh, a really nice mix of veteran presence and and, uh, and youth. Um, but we're very fortunate that our uh, our young people, um, even guys a couple of years into into the American Hockey League, are very quality. Um, leadership type guys so it's allowed us to to have some success here uh, as of late and uh, to start the season and um, you know we've got a skill set with our group that we believe is real good and uh, you know if we can if we can continue to get that leadership within the room I think uh, I think we'll be fine. Um, You um, yeah obviously it's 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 a mix of trying to get the young guys to play right you want to get them up you want to help them up but then there's a veterans that you need to lean on and help you out too so how much do does david poyle or anybody from predators kind of tell you hey uh can you give this guy some more ice time or i mean is kind of is it one of those things where it's a push pull between the organizations um there is i'm sure in a lot of organizations ours you know clearly we know the people that uh that they want to play um, but uh, but quite honestly, uh, Paul, Paul Fenton is the assistant GM, and then he's our GM. 
here in uh, in Milwaukee, assistant GM with uh, Nashville and then ours. Um, and he understands we have a really great working relationship, and and I trust him when he um, gives me the players and or free agents or whatever, and and he trusts me to put them in spots to have success. There's, there's certainly there's the odd time where you know he'll come down. He's you know mm-hmm. how come you're not playing this guy? Like uh, you know we drafted him in the you know at this point to be the offensive guy or whatever, and I'll say Paul, he's he's not that guy. He yeah. might have been. But he's not that guy. So there's a there's a definite trust, uh, but it comes with communication, and uh, and and we definitely have it here. Uh, Cody Hodgson is a guy that's been uh, was drafted pretty high by Vancouver, shuffled around a little bit. I believe he was named Hockey News uh, the best player outside of the NHL one year in their draft ranking. Um, started with the Preds. Now he's down with you, right? Still down there. Um, he is, yeah. And, and so, what what do you see from him? What are you trying to help him with? And uh, obviously, look, he didn't get he didn't get drafted that high for you know by a fluke or anything like that. He, he's much more has been expected of him. So, how do you rebuild a guy like Cody Hartson? Um, you just said it. It's um, you you need to rebuild, and what we need to rebuild is his confidence. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy can play. I mean, he can flat out play. There's a pace at the NHL uh, level that's unbelievable mm-hmm. and they they you know skate just tremendously so that's been a bit of a knock for him mm-hmm. um here but when he's here he has been like quick fast hard played played extremely well um in every situation that we've put him in he's killed penalties he's played on the power play um he's just been a, a real good leader within our room and he's he lost a bit of that confidence, and mm-hmm. he's playing number one line minutes here. He's playing twenty minutes a game, um, so you know he, as you just said, he can play. Yeah, um, he just needs an opportunity to play, get his confidence back, um, and uh, we don't think he'll be here that much longer. You yourself, you played for Bob Gainey, you played for uh, Tex Evans, you played for uh, Brian Murray or Terry Murray, one of the Murrays in Capitals. Um, Brian, yep. Brian, who who'd you learn a lot from in your playing days? Who do you who was a really good coach, and even maybe going back to junior, who's somebody that made a big impression on you, or one or two guys that that you are still kind of take some things to this day uh, in your coaching career? Yeah, you know, I'm, I've always said there's three there's three guys. I, I was uh, a player in junior under a guy named Bill LaForge, mm-hmm. um, and uh, a lot of people may not remember him, but he was a real hard nosed coach that. Uh, um, demanded a lot of his players, taught me um, how to play the game hard and gritty and, mm-hmm. um, you know, drop the gloves every now and then, just, you know, just do do everything that it took to uh, to, to play and, and to have success and um, to win. Took a lot from him. Um, I, I was coach uh, or player assistant coach with Team Canada mm-hmm. with Andy Murray oh, yeah. um, in 1996-97. We ended up going to World Championships and, uh, and and winning the World Championships. I was the only player that wasn't in the NHL at the time that played on that team. So took a lot of the X's and O's and, and practice uh, plans and, and all that good stuff from him. Mm-hmm. And then the last guy would be, uh, as you just mentioned, Bob Gainey. Um, just a straight up honest uh, guy that uh, you know you knew exactly where you stood each and every night, um, and if you didn't, uh, he would tell you. And and but yet you have the ability to go in and ask. And uh, he just wanted you to play the game hard and play the game right. Um, so a combination of those three, um, 
I took a lot from um, in my my playing days, um, and, uh, and 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 hopefully translated it and turned them into uh, uh, my coaching days. Man, um, yeah. When you look at the guys you played on, those are some good coaches, some good some good uh, good guys. When you're um, when you're in Washington and first under Glenn Hanlon, and then Boudreaux, and then like you said, um, Oates. Or no, you didn't. We didn't go for Oates. Hunter. 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 Uh, yeah. Dale. Dale. Um, are you like uh, in my sport that I cover for a living, like professional motorcycle racing? If a rider kind of gets fired, then some of his people don't come around. His mechanic may get fired. There's sometimes sweeping changes made, um, and so you to survive these coaching staffs. Obviously, you were good. Obviously, you were valuable. But I mean, these had to have been stressful times for you, right? I mean, you were probably like, ah, you know, why didn't I get fired? Am I getting fired? What's going on? My family, everything else. Uh, that had to be pretty stressful. Yeah. Well. Um, I, I'm wide open. I go into this, uh, uh, you know, with, with no blinders on. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I know that I'm going to get fired uh, at some point. And, um, <laughs> when, it, when it is, uh, right. it is. And I, I know I'm going to get hired at some point. So, um, you know, you, you can turn, uh, you know, any of that into a positive. I, I've always been a person and a player and now a coach that, uh, that takes one day at a time. I try to control what I can control. Mm-hmm. Um, that has nothing uh, to do with my control. If they want to let me go, then that's uh, that's their prerogative. I I can control what I do each and every day as a player to work, to compete, to play hard, to prepare, to be a good teammate. And I'm doing the same thing as a coach. And if it's mm-hmm. not good enough, then then I won't be here. And if it is, then uh, then hopefully I'll get a chance to uh, to continue to do this. You uh, you coached Ovechkin, Alexander Ovechkin, for many years. I feel like only now, you know, Vetchkin's whatever year it is for him as a pro, maybe now he's appreciated it. Obviously, he had a couple of down years, some terrible minuses, if you believe in plus minus. The same time, racked up a ton of goals. Um, what about this guy? What's your thoughts on him, and how was he to coach? And, and do you feel, too, like if he was uh, not Russian, maybe people would maybe appreciate him a little more? Like That's kind of how I feel, just a guy from the couch. Yeah, you know what I—I uh, I was fortunate to come in uh, to the Capitals organization the the same time as Alex came in, and I, I really enjoyed my time uh, with him, um, coaching him, uh, hanging out with him, and, and just like just watching him on a daily basis. He came in; he was such an exciting player, and he mm-hmm. still clearly is an exciting player, but. His enthusiasm for the game was um, as high as I have ever seen a player, um, and I think he lost a little bit of that. I think he, you know, in the middle there, he, right. he lost a bit of his excitement. He lost a bit of his, um, uh, you know, energy, um, you know, because of everything that was going on. And I, I think he's really regained that now. You see him on the ice; he's having fun, um, but he's very uh, committed. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, it takes a while. I mean, he's, he was a goal scorer. He's an offensive guy. It's taken some time to realize that, um, you know, that he's got to play a little different game. Um, he can still score goals, but he can still be a good, um, you know, defensive player. He doesn't have to be, you know, winning the uh, the defensive wards or anything, but he has to be a guy that's responsible. And I think Barry Trotz has done a real good job in uh in allowing him and and uh you know to do that uh and to teach him that but i think alex has matured to the point where um he is that that kind of a two-way player now that uh, that's obviously dynamic offensively yeah as much of a two-way player as a guy that 
you know, you want, you know, maybe maybe you want a guy like that to cheat a little bit, you know. So, you know, yeah, no question. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you got to let him go. I mean, right. you know, like, it's like holding back that thoroughbred. I mean, you, you don't want to hold him back. I mean, you got to let him run, um, but you got to ask him to, uh, you know, to to come back and, yeah. and, and play defense as well a little bit. You as a player, you were known for your defensive uh, skills. You probably were just going, "Oh man, this guy." <laughs> there, there's some nights. Yeah, there's some nights would be like you just want to get on the ice and kick him right yeah. in the butt and tell him to get get his ass back inside our blue line. But uh, um, you know, after he scored the third goal uh, that night, you were you were you know patting him on the back and yeah. and, and the butt instead of kicking him. Does he remind you of anybody you played with in the in the '80s and '90s? Like anybody. You know, when you think about it, like Mario was big, but he didn't have like a shot and speed like that. But you know, does he remind you of anybody? He's kind of like when I when I watch him, and again, this is just a guy from the couch. You're in the game. You you know much more than I do. I, he's almost got no kind of peer with his speed and size, or, or does he? What do you think? I I completely agree with you. I I think you could combine a whole bunch of people. Yeah. Um, and and have Alex Ovechkin. I mean, you, you got Wayne Gretzky. You've got uh, like you said, Lemieux. You've got the the brawn of Messier. I mean, there's there's so many. Mm-hmm. Like it's just you, he just he's a a very special player. Uh, people, he's an underrated passer. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, he's got a tremendous shot, but he is so physically strong. Like you know, there's several times over the years where um, he'd bump into you accidentally or or on purpose on the ice uh, <laughs> as a coach and. And it hurt. Like he yeah, is, yeah. he is rock solid. So, um, yeah, he is a unique player that has all those abilities offensively, and still that that big, strong physical presence. Were you surprised, like I was, like I think a lot of people were, that Dale Hunter just packed it in, just said, "Nah, I'm good." Yeah, um, I don't know if I was as surprised. I mean, Dale uh, Dale has a wonderful situation in uh, in London. Right. Um, the owner, coach, uh, everything there, um, you know, and and uh, it's a it's a nice setup, and uh, you know he's he's happy he's happy there. He Dale isn't a guy that uh, that's big on you know doing the whole media and doing uh, you know all that kind of stuff. He's mm-hmm. just uh, meat and potatoes and uh, just get after it and. Uh, um, so I, I think a lot of that kind of stuff, uh, he loves the game, knows the game, clearly mm-hmm. um, is exceptional, but um, didn't like all this stuff surrounding, um, you know, <laughs> being a head coach right. in the NHL. And I think that uh, that probably dictated it more than anything. Yeah, some of his scrums were pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, we we used to we used to watch him in the room just to get a uh, chuckle too. Yeah, he was not not big on talking, explaining himself, or caring to be there at all about the media or anything. So no, exactly. He just he'd want out of there quickly, and uh, so he could get back to the tape and, uh, and teaching for sure. <laughs> Someone told me he had one suit. I read or heard it or something. He had one suit. That was it. And <laughs> that's a good scoop. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um. Yeah. Hey, you yourself, let's talk a little bit about your playing career here. Uh, Dean Everson on the uh, Paul Hockey podcast here. You uh, you got drafted by the Capitals, traded quickly to uh, the Whalers, and uh, fifth-round draft pick. One thing I didn't realize was you were a scorer in Kamloops. Uh, 71 goals in 70 games, 49 goals in 57 games. Like, I'd never realized that until I was doing some research for this, because when you broke into the league, you were always just kind of 20-goal guy, checker, you know. I guess it's one of those things where you had to f- get in where you fit in, right? I mean, because you obviously had 
good skills in junior. Absolutely, and uh, you know, there's so many guys that uh, that that are uh, were were and are uh, way better mm-hmm. scores than than I ever was in better skill. Um, and yeah, I had success in uh, in the American League uh, offensively. Uh, I mean, in the Western Hockey League mm-hmm. offensively, and and yeah, I mean, you get to the NHL uh, and through the American League, which I did through Binghamton, as we mentioned. But um, you you have to find your niche, and you got to find what 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 is going to allow you to stay here. And 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 obviously, you know, if you could score you know, 30 goals a year, you're going to stay in the National Hockey League. I right. knew I wasn't going to do that. So I have to find some way um, to be a, a good teammate, to, to help my teammate out, mm-hmm. uh, my team out, uh, you know, to have success. And one of those ways was to play a gritty two-way game, um, you know, chip in offensively, but, uh, but, but be a good penalty killer, um, be a good sound player at both ends of the ice. And, and, and hopefully that, that would allow me to uh, – to not only play in the NHL but to stay in the NHL, and I think that's what a lot of people don't realize it is a is 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 harder thing to do, mm-hmm. um, or is the hard thing to do is to stay there. You you get there, um, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, how do I how do I stay here? Like, how do I make a career? <laughs> right, right. And uh, you know, you do that by uh, by competing every night and and uh, maybe doing some things that do, that aren't uh, you know in your nature or you feel comfortable doing. Um, you do them in order to uh, not only to stay there, but to help mm-hmm. your team uh, have success. You scored seventy-one and seventy, but I'm sure Ferraro was still pout- t- uh, touting the hundred and nine or whatever it was. Yeah. Oh my God! It, just every time you talk to him, he, he <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, I got one hundred and nine. He told me he wasn't even invited to the World Juniors that year, wow, that's, which is insane. Yeah, that's a bit of a sour, uh, <laughs> sour point for him. And uh, when we lived together, I always had that up on him because I did play in that World Juniors and uh, and he did not. And so I, I think it's eight at him for a few years, but I think he's uh, I think he's put it behind him now. But he, he definitely should have been there. Oh, it's, uh, right. It was, uh, yeah, it was a situation where, uh, you know, I don't know what the situation was, but um, score, but yeah, yeah, he he was a hell of a, a hell of a junior player. You and, score 109. And really yeah. You score 109. You should be there. I feel like you should be at least invited to camp. <laughs> just, well, yeah, just yeah, saying. No question. Yeah. <laughs> thanks everybody for listening to the Pulp Hockey Podcast Show. Having a good time doing it, and uh, thanks to our guys for coming on board over at Righty Board. Righty Board's power play right whiteboard is hockey's first restickable portable hockey whiteboard that goes wherever you go. Whether it's needed at one end of the rink or one end of the country, the power play board sticks to any surface your team needs it. Vivid graphics and a white background on the front, removable, long-lasting, air-free adhesive on the back. Visualization is now your ultimate weapon. It's the most versatile, practical, and simple-to-use whiteboard in the world. Every rink, every team, every coach needs to get a few of these power play whiteboards and check them out. Use the code PULP at writeyboards.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y, boards.com, to get 15% off your power play board. All right, back to the show. Hey, you guys, uh, you got traded the, to the Whalers uh, uh, from the Capitals. What was the story behind that? Did, was it uh, just one of those things you got traded for uh, Al Jensen, I think, who was uh, uh, or David Jensen, sorry, and with uh, Peter Sorokovich. Um, what, what happened with that? Did you know that was coming? Yeah, no, I didn't. I was actually up in Washington at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, the funny part is, is that Binghamton uh, was affiliated with both Washington and Hartford. Right. So they put players in Binghamton um, equally. So I was up in Hart or Washington at the time at the trade deadline, and 
Um, Brian Murray came in and said everybody has to stay here after practice. Uh, there's something going down. So, okay. uh, you know, as a 20-year-old kid, uh, I mean, I was just called up. I had been there for a week or whatever. I'm like, well, it's certainly not me. So I'm just going about <laughs> my business and hanging out. And all of a sudden the trainer came and he said, uh, there's a phone call for you. And I was like, really? And uh, anyway, I went in the back room in the in the training room, and uh, and it was a, a phone call from uh, David Poyle, um, who is now my boss. Yeah, um, true, right? That, yeah, uh, yeah. that he is uh, he has traded me to uh, to Hartford, and and uh, so it was uh, quite a situation, a good story because I, I immediately got sent back down to Binghamton, <laughs> and when I got back back down to Binghamton where I was before. Right. They had taken my equipment and uh, took it from the the one side of the room and and put it on the other side of the room, stating that I was now with the the Hartford Whalers instead of the Washington Capitals. Oh, was that the dividing line? All the Whaler guys here, all the Capital guys here. <laughs> it, it wasn't, but they they made it look like right, that's right. Uh, exactly what had happened. You're so like, hey guys, what's up? Story. You're like, hey guys, yeah, yeah. Where's uh, my locker? Oh, right. Over on the other side now. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Uh, those Whaler teams, man. Like I had a buddy who loved the way there was a huge fan in Winnipeg. And um, so whatever, we watched a lot of them. It, was, it wasn't easy to tell, but easy to find back then. But um, a really, like maybe an underrated team years later, you guys upset Quebec one year in the playoffs. The next year uh, you get upset by Quebec. The other year I think you take Montreal to game seven uh, overtime, the year that Montreal won the cup in 86. Francis, Deneen, Ray, uh, yourself, uh, Babbage, um, Turgeon, like Samuelson, Liute, like a really good team. Some really good uh, guys that just couldn't kind of break through, huh? Yeah, there's no question that that year was uh, was so exciting. The the year that we lost to uh, Montreal in the, the Adams Division final, it was mm-hmm. in overtime in the Forum. Right, uh, Claude Lemieux scored. Uh, Patrick Waugh's first year, um, real exciting uh, time. And you're right. I mean, we had. Uh, a real sound, a real, real good team, and we just couldn't get over that hump, as you as you said. And then, and then things started to unravel. We didn't play so well, and they ended up trading mm-hmm. Ron Francis and Samuelson to uh, to Pittsburgh, and yeah. and uh, and and obviously Pittsburgh went on to win the cups or or, or, or cup and many cups. Um, I think they won two, two maybe three mm-hmm. after that that they went there. So, um, but yeah, we. It's funny the Hartford Whalers. Uh, you know, to this day, I mean, there's still gear at the the Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto, and uh, we see it all the time. And yeah. and there's still a fan club in uh, in in Hartford. So it was it was quite the time, and uh, you know, very proud of our, our time there. And I think all of us and. Uh, we're we're excited and 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 proud of our our playing days there. And if you look around uh, the the hockey world, there is a lot of players um, on that team that are either coaching or mm-hmm. or doing something, uh, some capacity of hockey right. um, to this day. Yeah, uh, Denine's still in the game. Uh, obviously, your head coach for a little bit. And uh, yeah, it's crazy. You're right. And of course, Francis the GM now. Um, yeah, yeah. You know what? It's funny. I don't know. Um, what airport was it? It's not Hartford Airport. I fly out east every year to an airport, and I wish I would have done my research before this podcast. It's not Hartford Airport, but it's Springfield, or it's one of those airports. They're still selling Whaler gear in the in the yeah. in the airport. Like right now, you could buy Whaler shirts and hats in this airport. Yeah, well- 
it's amazing how many how many we see. Like uh, and, and even in our league, we go around the American Hockey League and we see <laughs> Hartford. Hartford Whaler toques and Hartford Whaler hats and jerseys and jackets <laughs> and yeah, I wish uh, I would have saved them all. They'd be uh, you know we'd be able to be wearing them now and giving them out. But uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, it, it it's quite a uh, quite a franchise and uh, you know it was, it was sad to see it go. Uh, you know when it did. You watch that game. That game seven, the Adams final, is on uh, Apple IT, uh, Apple TV uh, Vault. I'm, I'm, not, I'm sure you don't watch very much of that, but I do because I'm dorky like that. You guys had chances to end that thing. Like it, it could have gone either way. Yeah, there's no question. It, it was a great hockey game. Yeah, um, and, and Patrick Wall was phenomenal um, in the game, and uh, you know, it, it just it. It just came down to that last. There was a, a breakdown. Lemieux walked out, and uh, I think it was. A, well, I'm sure it was a backhand top shelf on uh, on Mike Leut. Yeah. Um, it just. It was. It was a real good game, and, and a funny story is after we got home uh, to Hartford, mm-hmm. uh, the next day they said to us, they were like, "We're the the city wants to have a parade," <laughs> and we we were like, "Seriously, a parade? <laughs> right. Like we just lost in the Avs Division Final? Yeah, big deal." Mean? And yeah. they're like, they're like, yeah, no, no, it's a big deal. So we all got in trucks, uh, these uh, pickup trucks, and and we had a parade, and uh, <laughs> and it was it was quite the scene. I I wish there was footage, or I wish right. I had footage of it at some point. But uh, yeah, we all joke about that today, and and as you said, uh, all the guys, the Deneens and you know Quinville's and John Anderson still playing, yeah. and coaching, and I mean, there's so many guys that are. Dave Tippett, obviously, and oh man, you could just yeah, yeah, keep just, going down down the list. You're right. I spaced out. You can name five more guys, six more guys that are still sure, doing it. Yeah, you guys had some great mustaches on that team too, with Babbage and Ferraro and Quinville and Stu Gavin and oh man, um, yeah, Tippy Tippett had one. Oh, too. Tippett, they, yeah, they yeah. all they all had them. I just couldn't <laughs> throw one. Um, and then we're talking to Ferraro, the year that you guys won the Adams Division. Um, he just kind of remembers the team like really falling apart in the against the Nordiques. A lot of penalties, uh, a lot of undisciplined play, and he said everyone was running around the ice trying to kill every Nordique they could. And it really was one where the whole team kind of got off their game. Is that kind of how you remember it? Yeah, there's no question. There was a you know a discipline situation, but I mean. We had such great rivalries with all the uh, Adams Division teams, mm-hmm. I mean, the Buffalo, Boston, and uh, Montreal, Quebec. I mean, it, it, that was hockey, uh, and, and you you had all those small buildings um, where there's definitely no place to hide. It was um, it was rough and tough, and uh, but you know, skilled uh, involved as well. But um, but yeah, they uh, each year. I mean, it was just it was a battle to get out of uh, to get out of our division. So. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, but it, it, a lot of good memories for sure. And you got the form and the garden and the odd, like some classic rinks too. Yeah, classic where there, like I said, there's nowhere to hide. The dimensions <laughs> yeah. were a heck of a lot smaller than they are now. Yeah. Fans on top of you, and uh, um, just just fun to uh, fun to play in those type of hockey games. Uh, very fortunate. I know Ferraro talks about playing with with Ronnie Francis and just how amazing he was. Did you ever get a chance to go up there? And, and uh, as good as he as good as Ron Francis is and his numbers are, when you look at him, he's probably still underrated. Oh, I, I, hundred percent, and he always was. Uh, even when, when you know, when we were playing, every you know, there wasn't a lot of talk of uh, of Ronnie Francis right. until you know that he then he won the cup and uh, in Pittsburgh, and people are like, "Whoa, wait a minute!" Like this guy is mm-hmm. is that good, and uh, and he was for us as well. Um, he was our leader. 
um, you know, our best player, uh, but uh, but no question, our best person off the ice. He just uh, he was a great leader, and um, you know, really allowed our team to to be a team. So, um, but yeah, no, Ronnie's been underrated for a long time, but I think he's uh, he's finally got some recognition with the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, you spent a couple years in San Jose after the Whaler career ended. Uh, they're the expansion team there. That's tough. I, I've done a few of these with, uh, like, Pat Ellenuck or Doug Smale or Laurie Boschman, guys who jumped on the Senators right around that time, and, and, like, they've all just told me how draining mentally that is when you're just getting hammered every night. It was tough, no question. Actually, yep. the first year that we were there, um, the inaugural year, I think we won 17 games, which was pretty good um, <laughs> right. <laughs> for an expansion team, and we, we had a lot of fun, and we had a really close close group. And then the organization flipped into young guys, uh, we believe, uh, too quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next year we won 11 hockey games, and that was a long, long year. <laughs> I mean, you just you knew going into it, it was like uh, extremely difficult for us to have success here tonight. Um, so it was, it was a lot of draining uh, nights. It was a lot of uh, tough uh, you know, uh, nights after games and mornings and practices, but, um, so, but uh, I really enjoyed my time there and, uh, you know, I can always look back and say that I was, uh, you know, part of, uh, sure. the, the first Sharks team. Um, also too, well, the, about the only guy I did one of these with Jeff Rogers, he was pumped. He didn't matter. It didn't matter how many games they lost. He was very happy to be in the NHL and, and, uh, and beating dudes up. So Jeff Rogers thought it was cool, but other well, than- that was, that was my, that was my line mate. So, yeah. He, uh, he was awesome. He, he, we'd go into a game and, and he just, like, like you said, he just wanted to be in the NHL and yeah. he just wanted to prove himself. And the way that he proved himself was with his fists. And, um, actually Paul Fenton and I were, uh, were his line mates. And uh, Audrey would come to us, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, end of the first period, we'd be down a couple of goals or three goals, and he'd be like, you know, can I, can I do it now? Can I fight now? <laughs> and we're like, no, you can't fight yet, because if, if you fight, then, uh, then the two of us sit on the bench for your five minutes. So, no, give, <laughs> no. Us, give us a chance to play a little bit first. So his, we uh, always joke about him, but he's a great, great guy. He was a really nice guy, and his career to the NHL couldn't have been more of a long shot, you know, and he, he appreciated it, and he worked hard on his skills, and yeah, that's pretty funny, though. <laughs> well, I... then, then he's the captain of, uh, yeah. of the Atlanta Thrashers. So, right. I mean, uh, what a what a great story from a, a tough guy that that mm-hmm. you know probably had no shot at playing the NHL to being a captain of an NHL yeah. team. So, um, just shows you you know his character and his work ethic was uh, was tremendous. At that point, you're an established guy in the league. You're probably going, "What am I doing here with Jeff Rogers? <laughs> <laughs> what am I no, doing? I, What's I, going I, on?" I, I enjoyed my time with Rogers. Did, sure, um, and, uh, he protected us for sure. When you went to Dallas and, you, like you said, Ganey, you learned a lot from um, – I don't know how much of a hockey historian you are or a hockey fan. A lot of times I find professional athletes uh, in, in, don't care that much about the past or whatever. You know, you're kind of caught up in a moment. You're playing – but if it was me, I would have been grilling Ganey on those old Canadian teams. I don't know if he told many stories or did you did you care to talk to him about that or maybe you weren't able to. But, man, the things that that guy has seen and done in the game of hockey. Oh, it was it was amazing. And uh, I'll give you a quick story. But yeah. when I played in Hartford and he was playing for the Montreal Canadiens, at one point he uh, – he gave me a stick in the back of the legs or in the crotch, <laughs> and I just I said to him, I said, 
I said, I used to respect you. And he says, I don't give a, a crap what you think of me. Right. And yeah, I was just like, oh, boy. You know, that's how he played. He didn't care. But, um, you know, like I said, I, I didn't have a lot of long conversations with him, but I certainly respected everything um, that the man had been through and, and uh, his, his great career and, and just tried to soak up uh, yeah. anything and everything that he said. Yeah, I would have been like, "Hey, tell me about, tell me about Larry Robinson. Tell me about, tell me about the Gilafer. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, uh, crazy. <laughs> um, and when you play for the Canadian national team, like you said, you won a world championship, which is awesome. And um, it, it, according to your, again, your Wikipedia page could be totally off, but you you left the NHL and you were you, you know this is something that you 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 went after. Um, Annie, Annie Murray talked to you, and uh, you were happy to do it. Were you? This was it for you? This was cool? Like you you were looking forward to the travel and and all that. I was, yep. and um, you know, it was. He, Andy Murray came to me in the summer, and I had no uh, no job offers in the NHL. I had a couple of American League tryouts that okay. I could have went to, mm-hmm. and he said, "Do you, you know, why don't you start your, um, you know, or see if you want to be a coach?" He says, "You can come and be a player assistant coach with me, still play at a high level." Um, and our our team that year traveled around i think we hit 13 different countries yeah um and we represented canada in, in several tournaments around um the world mm-hmm. and uh it was it was great i mean i was 32 years old most of the guys on the team were 19 and yeah, 20 right um just young young kids uh you know either starting their careers or trying to make their careers or yep. or getting them restarted and so it was a wonderful year. We, uh, we still have, we had a, uh, a reunion a, a few years ago, and I still stay in contact with a lot of those guys. And I really enjoyed my time there. I was in the best shape I've ever been in. We'd, oh, wow. Uh, cool. You know, we'd, 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 we'd go play a tournament or, you know, go to a country and then come home, and, and we'd be home for three weeks and, and three, you know, to a month and just practice. So it, it, it really mm-hmm. was great when Andy Murray gave me the opportunity to go to the World Championships. Like I said, I was the only um, non-NHL player at that time to uh, to go to the World Championships, mm-hmm. and, and we ended up winning, and it was just uh, one of the highlights of, uh, of my playing career for sure. Yeah, I would think being 32 and not, no, I don't want to travel, Andy. I don't want to go to all play with these kids. You know what I mean? Sure, I'll play the World Championships. That sounds like fun because it's two weeks. But you know what I mean? Like the other thing, I would, I mean, props to you for wanting to do it. Yeah, because it's. Yeah, we went, to, we went to some little towns. I mean, I, I remember uh, one, one uh, tour, we, we played the Polish national team in, uh, in Poland and uh, two game series and went to Japan and, I mean, so I like I, I said earlier, I just uh, mm-hmm. I just looked forward one day at a time, and I uh, I really enjoyed that experience. The traveling was was awesome. I mean, it was tough some days, obviously, but um, but it was it was really cool to see uh, you know the different countries and and uh, any time that you can put your uh, your flag on your chest is uh, is not a bad day. Yeah, no doubt about it, right? And and uh, yeah, and winning the worlds, it's even cooler, you know. So. Um, yeah, the world the world championships was uh, was so much fun. I mean, we ended up we played Sweden in a in a three game series, mm-hmm. and it went all three games, and we ended up beating them in that third game. I believe it was three one or three two, um, but just like just a, uh, it was in Finland and Helsinki, Finland, and oh, just yeah, a yeah. real hockey atmosphere. Sure, and, um, just a real fun time for sure. Surprised Andy Murray, and maybe I'm off because I didn't write I didn't do any research on this question. But Andy Murray, after coaching the Kings. He never got another shot, did he? Or did he want to? I'm surprised he never resurfaced because he always seemed like a very cerebral kind of guy. 
Yeah, I'm not sure if it. I know he's in St. Louis there for a while, and yep. then L.A. or L.A. St. Louis, one of the two. But I know he's having uh, success in uh, in in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it's Michigan Tech that he's yep. coaching. Um, not a hundred percent, but uh, but I know he's uh, he's done a lot of good things. Uh, he's coached at every different level, and um, he is so technical um, mm-hmm. and just uh, so detailed and 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 driven. That uh, wherever he is, he's uh, he's going to give himself a chance to have success. Yeah, his Kings teams were pretty good with not you know not a collection of stars you know, and he had some success. He they upset somebody one year, I remember. So, um, right, right. Uh, best uh, best game for you in the NHL? Do you have a game that stand out stands out for you uh, as one that uh, you know you did great? You were on fire on. Is there is there something that stands out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I was actually just asked this the other day, oh, but. Okay. Uh, I scored. Uh, I scored. Well, there's two games probably. I scored yeah. a hat trick um, in Calgary. Actually, Ray Ferrell scored a hat trick that same game. Oh, uh-huh. um, but I I scored a hat trick in the in the first period, the first three goals, um, and then there's a fight at uh, at the end of the period. Uh huh. Tory Robertson was fighting somebody. <laughs> I think it might have been Tim Hunter. Yeah, let, let's and, let's uh, just put ourselves there. Probably Tim Hunter and probably Tory Robertson. <laughs> probably the two of them and right. uh, Doug Risebrow. Doug Risebrow was their captain, mm-hmm. and uh, they, you know, they hadn't had success in the first period, and was at the end of the first period and grabbed me, and and we fought, and uh, because we were the second fight, I got kicked out of the game. Um, so I had had a hat trick in the first period, kicked out of the game, and uh, the the real interesting thing is on my father's birthday. So, oh, nice. Um, yeah, I got off the ice and I called my dad and uh, I said, "Happy birthday!" And he's like, "What the heck are you doing?" And he says, "Aren't you playing?" I said, "Well, I was, but I'm not anymore." Um, so, so I was out of the game and uh, with a hat trick, I, I ended up first star and, uh, and and played only one period, and then. The other one that I always tell the story of is I, I got into three fights in one period with uh, with Dale Hunter. Oh, jeez! Um, and uh, and we both got kicked out. Yeah, we just come out of the box and fought. Come out of the box and fought. And then obviously it was a big story when we were in uh, sure. in Washington coaching together. So um, those two stand out uh, for sure. Did Hunter ever? Did they laugh about it, or do you want to fight you again? Because he seems like the type of guy that maybe want to fight you again. <laughs> <laughs> no, we both we both said we're just trying to make a living, and uh, that's exactly what uh, what we were doing. I mean, he played that way, um, I played that way, right. and so uh, so there was a clash there for sure. He didn't. I, nobody dared to uh, to have him to recreate the Turgeon Hunter incident uh, during practice or anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 that was never, uh, hey, never done. Hey, Dale, no. check this out. <laughs> this is the guy's celebrating. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah. Um, well, hey, Dean Everson, thank you for doing this. Thanks for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Um, good luck with the Milwaukee Admirals um, this year, and uh, hopefully you get that head coaching shot in the NHL. That would be great. Obviously, um ton of experience in the game, and uh, thanks for sharing your story, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Steve. Really appreciate it, man. Thanks, Dean. Bye. Bye-bye.